getting better than ever. What's up, everybody? What's going on? What's the word? Yep, yep, yep. Ladies Fellas, you know and what? gentlemen. What, what, what'd you say? Go ahead. This is the month of June, and there are a lot of things that's going on in the month of June that we should talk about. Yes, because I gave everybody a preview when I took over the podcast uh, during our last episode because it was the David Ruffin Show. So technically, this is the David Ruffin Show Part 2. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, first of all, <laughs> we David Ruffin is dead. <laughs> all right. let's, let's get that clear. That was not authorized by the Daily Jam. Uh, Jamal and I uh, vehemently opposed that episode. No, actually, it was a pretty good episode. Thank you. The people I, loved I was, it. I was, yeah. I was impressed. I, I'll be honest. I was nervous. Um, <laughs> listening to it I was holding my breath I was like oh lord this, this is alright we didn't even get to preview it or nothing it was just posted and I'm like that oh, is lord. true ladies well, and gentlemen I gave, I told him I was giving him the day off and I told him I'll take care of the episode for this week and I recorded it and just said upload it without any descriptions or anything and, and from the time he said upload it to the time I think I actually uploaded it it was at least a day I was like <laughs> Like, oh no. Did you listen to it first though? Did you? I did. I did listen to oh, it first. Okay, okay. All um, right. I did listen to it first and then I was like, all right, it's, it's not that bad. So, yes. Yeah, he, he hit me up. He was like, um, you trust me? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I have an idea. <laughs> like, no. But in that episode, ladies and gentlemen, we I talked about three things that we are going to talk about today. I told you that we were going to circle back to this when the fellas were back at the table. I said yes. we were going to talk about Juneteenth, said we were going to talk about Pride, and I said we were going to talk about um, Father, Father's, uh, Day. Father's Day. Day. Absolutely. Yep. So All big things that happen in the month of June. Absolutely. But before we get to that, this is America. This is America. Don't get you slipping them. Don't get you slipping them. Look what I'm whipping them. This is America. Don't get you slipping them. Don't get you slipping them. This is America. In the news. Yes. <laughs> Look, I I heard that uh I think so the BET Awards was just this past weekend, I believe. Absolutely. We're we're gonna skip over that first story because I didn't watch the BET Awards. Jamal, did you watch it? No, you didn't. All right, let's move on to story uh, number two. I, no, what I, I, I watched <laughs> highlights. What I, I, I watched I, highlights. I DVR'd it so that I can watch it in 20 minutes instead of the three the three hours that they kind of took with commercials and everything. Because I'm sure there's only a couple pieces that I want to see. But I heard uh, through social media that Cardi B is pregnant. That she is. Congratulations. Ladies and gentlemen that. want to claim responsibility for this. Offset. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> how did it happen? How, how do you think it happened? John 3.16 says, go forth and multiply. And they are on baby number two. So baby number two, you know yeah. what? I actually love their first child's name, Culture. I think that is such a cool name. Culture. What, what's the baby's last name? Culture. What? I, I really, I continuously I forget know. what, what is, uh, their actual Cardi real names. Name yeah. Like, dude, yeah. I don't even know Cardi B's like real name or Offset's real name. Like, nope. I don't know government names for either of them. That's interesting. Yeah. You can probably look hmm. it up, but no, we don't know. So, um, what do you, so so both of these these uh, they they're both artists, 
uh, musicians. Do you think uh, that there's going to be a lot of expectations musically on these children? I, I think artists. I mean, musically, yes. I mean, do you really think so? Think Are there is, there is there pressure on Blue Ivy and the Twins to yes. be music? Is yes. there really? I think yes. so. Yeah. That's yes. it. I mean, they're young now, so people aren't really saying anything now. But I, I think people. Well, you know, Blue Ivy won a Grammy. She did, but it, I mean, it wasn't a real Grammy. That, but that reminds me. <laughs> it of was a real Jordan. Grammy. <laughs> it was a real Grammy. Yeah, it was. In her Don't hate room. <laughs> but that reminds me of Jordan's kids, Michael Jordan's kids. Ladies and gentlemen, like, this is a, this is probably going to be a. Be, oh my bad. Go ahead. No, Jordan's kids was like slated to be the next because they were, you know, his offspring. Yeah. Is that pressure Both from the parents or is that pressure from society? Like, like let's society. be clear. Is that, I think, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, society. Yeah, not, yeah. not from the parents. Yeah. I think parents, you know, you any parent just wants their child to be happy. Right. You know, and so I'm sure that they are the same, but I think that society is, you know, has some type of expectation. You have both of these, your parents are superstars, you know, in this particular industry. So we think that, you know, you should even have more, you know, you should have the best of both of them. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't expect anything from the Cardi B's and Offset's children, except for they choose to do whatever they want to. I mean, that's just similar yeah. to, um, I liking it to uh, Will Smith and Jada, their family. Like they all have their own thing. Like some of them are artists and they do artistic things, whether it's be involved in music or, you know, social issues or stuff like that. But the mm -hmm. expectation or the pressure wasn't go out and be a rapper or go out and be an actress or an actor. It was, this is what you're passionate about. And of course, like some of that stuff will trickle down just by the nature of you being around it all the time. But sure, there's no expectation sure. that you're supposed to. Yeah. yeah I heard well, Will Smith say, Will Smith said, you know, his job as a father was to make sure that he set them up for success and to teach them how to be successful. Mm -hmm. um, that I mean, of course, that doesn't quite translate into them being artists in the industry, but naturally, you know, Willow and Jaden did, but Trey didn't, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, congratulations to Cardi B and Offset on their Absolutely. second show. We hope that they have a very healthy child do, do do they announce if it's a boy or a girl do they know no i had no idea that she was I pregnant until I, I saw the i saw the picture i literally said i saw the picture I was like oh she's pregnant yeah it you know it, it kind of reminded me because I, I i i guess she revealed it on on the bt awards or something yes. is that correct i'm like, okay i remember um, about eight years ago uh beyonce people thought that i was uh the father after beyonce uh sung the song love on top um at the vma awards or and and she was looking directly at me in the camera and she was singing i put her love on top and stuff like that and then she opened her jacket revealed that she had a baby kind of so people thought that it was mine but um and i remember asking on Who's social people? media for people to um you know while we work this out uh give the family privacy and we'll let them know as soon as we know i'm just trying to figure out who people was <sighs> Jamal, don't be a hater all your life. Just go on to the next story. <laughs> I, but I will say, <laughs> I will say about the BET Awards. Um, I did watch the DMX tribute that they did. Busta Rhymes, uh, Method Man, um, did a phenomenal job. Like this, this is probably one of the best tributes that really? um, okay. I've seen. So I encourage I'm, you to go back and watch. I am going to watch it this week for sure. Um, yeah, I, because I, he DVR'd it, ladies and gentlemen. He DVR'd it versus just going on YouTube. Yeah, because that seems like a lot. I can like fast forward through stuff. You can do that on YouTube. Easier. I know, but it's easier. Like for those of us who actually have cable, we can do stuff like this. 
Don't be mad at me because you you don't have cable. Uh, I don't waste the money on cable. Okay. But don't be cable is becoming obsolete. YouTube is one of the most streamed services in the world. And that is true. But when it becomes obsolete, you know, I mean, as long as I can use some of the money that I normally pay you with. (laughs) 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 I do this podcast for free, as I said during the David Ruffin show. <laughs> you do. Anyway, congratulations to both Cardi B and Offset. Um, we hope that your child is healthy uh, and all of that good stuff. Absolutely. Oh, speaking of which uh, pregnancies, before we move on to the next story, quick thing, which is very Did y'all see the story about the lady who had 10 kids? And like, uh, there was a story where she was pregnant with uh, what's the number for 10? Anyway, someone tell me in the, the comments. Yeah, it turns out that she actually wasn't pregnant with 10 kids, and now she's being evaluated for mental health issues. No, and we didn't. Did we probably like didn't that. see that because it's not in the show notes, and so we weren't <laughs> supposed to talk about it. So, no. I no pulled a, I, are you saying I pulled a Jamal? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, how many times I tell you how to do it? Jamal, hold on, ladies and gentlemen. We did, we, we did an event on Friday night for Oakland, California. And we had a run of show. We had an hour to do this thing. Uh, it ended up lasting a little bit longer. And this Jamal... Show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Jamal pulled a Jamal. He did pull a Jamal. Just, he, he just scrapped the whole show notes thing and did what he wanted to do. And me and Adrian, who's back trying to do technical stuff, was like confused as hell. Yeah, and so uh, that was anyway. my payback. Anyway, Tokyo Olympics, the next story. Yes, the twenty. they're still calling it the 2020 Olympics, even though it's in 2021 because right. the pandemic is out there messing up the church's money. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> and speaking of social media, like we talked about YouTube and stuff uh, about the previous story, young people are actually driving this yes. protest and on YouTube and TikTok and various other platforms about wanting the Olympics to be canceled. Um, yes. And so the interesting thing about that before you fellas add your comments is Japan cannot actually cancel the Olympics. Due to the contract, the contract is with the IOC, which is the International uh, International Olympic Committee. The contract, and that's this is with any city that hosts the Olympics. Only it's the IOC. The it's not the International House of Pancakes. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Only the IOC can cancel the Olympics. Also, only the IOC can uh, call the Olympics off. So the, right. the the country of Japan is on the hook, whether they want to be or not. So and that is. So if they do it. Well, what, 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 what can they do? They gonna, what are they going to do to them? I think that for, in, in terms of contract, I haven't read the contract, but I think it has a lot to do like, you know, like penalty clauses, money and stuff like that. Like, like I think it's that is the uh, okay. that's the issue. Um, but they are still suffering a lot from the pandemic. Uh, and yeah. the, 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 the young people are saying that the government is not handling the situation well and folks aren't vaccinated. And so you're talking about bringing in a whole bunch of international athletes and yeah. family and friends and all the and staff and all the stuff that it's taken to put it on. And the country is still, yeah, it's the country is still in the midst of a, a really bad part of the pandemic. Which is actually interesting because if you remember a few episodes back when we had uh, the teen TikTok sensation. Oh yeah. On, Madison. Yeah. Talked about, mm-hmm. Yeah. You talked about the, um, the narrative that we have, the negative narrative that is kind of created regarding teens 
And one of the things that um, we talked about that they do in creating this new narrative is that they are oftentimes um, at the forefront of social change. Yep. Uh, and in Tokyo, um, the young people are leading this effort uh, to bring uh, a light to uh, a concern that everyone should have about bringing, you know, hundreds of thousands of folks from around the world uh, to kind of do uh, these games. And so it's interesting. Absolutely. So what do you guys think? Do you think that they should cancel the games? Or I, I think they absolutely should. So, But since they're not going to, the next best question should uh, is, are we still going to watch it? Because, you know, by watching it, they still get paid. I mean, the advertising and all of that yeah. stuff. Like, are we going to boycott the Olympics? And then if we boycott, does that mean, what about Simone Biles and Shakar uh, Richardson? Like, all these superstar athletes who are out here breaking records and on the well, way to the Olympics. Just to get to the Olympics. Right. right. But they don't, but they're not paid, though, for the Olympics. So it, does, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but the Olympics are like, it's where you get your endorsement deals and yeah. your appearance fees and all that kind of but stuff. They, they're going to get those if they win. Whether they win, whether we watch it or not, if they win, they're gonna do it. So can we do this? Like so, so if I watch it, but I don't buy anything that's advertised on it, would that be like me not watching it? I mean, because usually advertisements doesn't, you know, make me want to buy something. Like, would that is that okay? I don't know. I do like I do love the Olympics. I, I it it I'll it's be fun. It's like, hard for me not to watch. Yeah, and I think for people who no, literally yeah. work their entire lives and a lot of these are yes. small towns and they spend years and months mm -hmm. training to be considered literally the best in the world like literally and, the best in the world and uh, many of the many of the sports you only get one shot right and it's very hard to get back like it's so so hard to get back to the olympics well, so, you got the, the time in between all the you know all the olympics like what is it like two it's four every four years, years. every four, four years, years. Yep. so you know if you miss this year yeah. You, know, you might be too old <laughs> mm -hmm, now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So true. I don't know. I'm on the, I'm on the fence. I mean, I'll be saying, well, why are, why are they not considered moving it? Even though where are they going to move it? Do you have to like build stadiums and stuff? It takes like eight years to get. Yeah. They, they plan this stuff out yeah, like a decade yeah, or something. Yeah. They, they, yeah. They were ch chosen a decade ago almost. So yeah. Cause you got to no prepare for it. Yeah. Move it. Yeah. They would just have to, I'm not watching it because Bob Costas is no longer, you know, calling the Olympics. And Bob Costas is a staple for the Olympics. So Did he retire? Uh, I don't know if he retired, but I think NBC got rid of him. He got forced out. Oh, yeah. I got to remember that. NBC ain't shit. Uh, so <laughs> NBC Universal, the views and opinions expressed by Michael Sanders and I lose the Daily Jam podcast. Yes. I I'll take that. <laughs> NBC ain't shit. <laughs> But I'm still watch the Olympics on it. Uh, did you hear what Jamal just snuck in there? No, what did he say? He said what they got say? rid of Bill Cosby. You know, see, I actually thought that. That's why I actually really said that. That's the reason I said the bishop, but I wasn't going to go that far because you guys always say that I go too far. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, this is why I should host the this is why I should host a podcast by myself. Cause if y'all noticed last week, I didn't go off the rails like this. This, we literally will get canceled. The three of us talking today. But when I say we, I mean, Michael and Jamal. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> he knows that he ain't, he ain't S H I T without us. So that's why. Oh, snap. Say what I said. He did. Uh, man. Uh, so what else so is in the news? Man, something I came across the other day, man. It, it was a heartwarming story. This eight-year-old boy spent literally two years growing his hair just to make wigs for other kid cancer patients. 
And um, I, I just thought it was. I wanted How to highlight something. Uh, huh? How old is he? He was eight when he did it. Oh, okay. He right. So he was 10 when it, he finally cut it in. How many wigs did it make? Um, He only said, I think, it didn't say how many he made, but um, then he regrows hair, regrows hair again, and, like, he did the process again. So, I mean, just for an 8-year-old to have the mindset, because he asked his mom, you know, why are there so many kids losing their hair? And she mentioned chemotherapy, and mm-hmm. so they had a conversation about it, and he made the decision to grow his hair out for those particular kids. So... Um, you know, he, it's just good gesture. You know, he had a good head on the show. It I thought it was a good story to highlight. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Ladies it's and gentlemen, let me set story, this up. But it is a great story. teenager, so our audience don't really care. It's a good story, ladies and gentlemen. Disregard <laughs> Mike's insensitive comments. However, let me tell y'all this, ladies and gentlemen. Like this, this is what it's like at the Daily Jam. Our show notes, our run of show, the the Bible that we live by to do the show. Yes, the so this is the the number three story that we're going to talk about today, and literally the notes I'm going to read to you verbatim what the show notes say. Eight year old did something. But why so does it say? Why does it say that though? So as we were going over the show notes, originally we were going to take that out of the show notes uh, because he was eight. Uh, you really want to kind of focus on teens. And so I deleted that whole thing. And then we agreed to put it back in. And I didn't really listen to, you know, Jamal sent the story earlier in the text thread, you know, a couple of weeks ago or whatever. And I had forgotten about it. So I forgot exactly what it was about. <laughs> so I just put eight year old. This is the show. I did something cool, but I didn't, uh, I, I forgot to. It literally says eight year old did something. But I, luckily, Jamal, I, I had read really. the story before I knew the story. So, but it, ladies and gentlemen, this is what it's like to work when the three of us are together. Uh, follow us for more comedy, literally at T Daily Jam. I think I posted earlier today a screenshot yes. of a conversation we were having in the text thread. And I only posted the GIFs because the GIFs came back to back. But, ladies and gentlemen, as we always say, it is not just a tagline or a slogan. We literally do this daily. You daily. just happen to get it weekly, daily. like the stuff that goes on in our text thread. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out. One other thing, though, that was in the news, Jamal, that was pretty exciting to us. Pretty damn awesome. Yes. Pretty damn awesome. This year, actually, with the last couple of weeks, marks the 25th anniversary. We should play this. It's your anniversary. 25th anniversary of what? Ho's very first album. The inaugural. Right, the inaugural like you said, album. Reasonable Doubt released the summer of 1996. That was when Jay's reign started. I, I mean, that's just my opinion. That's and how I feel about it. Yeah, and it hasn't ended. And, and it hasn't ended. And, uh, you know, there were so many gems on that album um, that I still listen to today. Yeah. Cashmere Thoughts, Dead Presidents. I mean, one, of, one of very few albums, particularly rap albums, that from start to finish is literally flawless. Mm, it is. Literally I mean, flawless. Like you there's not a bad song on the album. Cannot the hustle. Yeah. I mean him and Mary, him and Mary together on Cannot the Man. Yeah, that yes, that that, that kind of introduced Mary to the world too. Yeah. Uh, politics as usual. Yes. But 
I mean, Brooklyn Finest. That that's I, I think people slept on that with Biggie. Can't of course, it? of course. So I I encourage you go back and listen bar to the whole album. Bar. Yes, yes. It, it's yeah. like a boxing match between Biggie and Jay. Uh, it was in Brooklyn's Finest. Yep, yep. Twenty two oh, twos where he was just flipping <laughs> twos. T O T O O O T W O. I mean, he just like went on man. It, I mean, you're just a friend or foe. Come on, man. Coming of age with Meth Bleak. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to go back and and play it again. Adrian, what's what's your favorite song off the album? Yeah, you're not speaking. Uh, you're listening to the Daily Jam podcast. Check. Yeah. Yo, I'm making short term goals when the weather falls. Just put away the leathers and put ice on the gold. Chili with enough bell money to free a big willy. High stakes, I got more at stake than Philly. Shopping sprees, copping three. Dudes fever, I yeses. Fully loaded, ah <laughs> yes. Bouncing in the Lex Luger. Tire smoke like Buddha. 50 G's to the crap shooter. Niggas can't fade me. Chrome stocks beaming. Through my peripheral, I see you scheming. Stop dreaming, I leave your body steaming. Niggas is fiending, what's the meaning? I'm leaning on any nigga intervening. And welcome back to the Daily Jam. My cup runneth over with hundreds. Boy. Man, he just went in. He went hard. It's actually one of my um, favorite so albums. We... I love that album. <laughs> Adrian, I don't know one song on it. However, <laughs> let, let's give Adrian an opportunity to talk about music that he likes. So there was a few <laughs> really cool albums that have come out in the last... Uh, this month, uh, mm-hmm. this month, some uh, as as recent as last week uh, that we kind of listened to. So a lot of people probably would not be surprised that Adrian, um, you know, because he does have a, a, an eclectic music taste. Everybody knows that he's a big Bruce Springsteen fan. So it's probably not a hard sale to get him, people to believe that he likes country music. That's true. However, many people probably wouldn't know uh how much I actually really love country music. I am a country music fan and have gone to several country music um, uh, shows. Yeah, you're a huge Keith Urban fan. Yes, yes. Um, And Blake Shelton just came out this month with a really, really dope album called Body Language. Yeah. And I remember... I remember, uh, I think I was the first one to kind of put in a thread to kind of, you know, listen to it. And Adrian was like, oh, I'm on it. And Tomorrow, like, yeah, yeah, nah, nah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> no, I actually said I, would, I was going to listen to it. But now, and I did. Initially, didn't I? Yeah, initially, not initially, bro. Not initially. No, no, no. It's because I was driving already. I was, I was already Which on is the, road. the best time to listen to music. Right. Exactly. Yes. Y'all, anyway, saw, y'all saw how so, we just caught him up in a lie, ladies and gentlemen. He didn't want to listen to the white man's music. He didn't. He didn't. <laughs> but you listen to it, and what'd you think of it, Jamal? Listen, what you doing tomorrow was one of my favorites. You did say um, that. You did say that. Neon Time was another favorite, and no, I don't. No, I, I no, I don't. I think it's at the top of my that list. That is, yeah, yeah. That that, yeah. that went hard. I like that one. Yeah, no, I don't. Was at the top of my list. Yeah, Monday morning missing you. There was one. I I forget. Oh yeah, I think it was last week at one of our sessions that we conducted for a client where we actually played. Listen, ladies and gentlemen. Blake Shelton's album goes so hard that he came out with a song simply entitled Corn. <laughs> the shit is a banger. The shit is a banger. It really is. It really is. It really is. Y'all never said nothing about minimum wage. I actually like Minimum wage, wage was good too. That, yeah. That that was a great story, you know. And and a love song. 
Yes. I, yeah. I will say this was it, it completely put together. It was a very solid project. What it it yeah it it was better than solid to me. Like I this probably one of my favorite. Like I love you know I love Honeybee. Um, Honeybee was, was good. Probably yeah. my all time favorite you know of, of him. But this this album I think took it. What was he actually talked about smoking. Hello. He did. He stuff, did. Stuff. He he did. Blake Shelton some goes wacky tobacco. Yeah. Some of the devil's lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> Blake Shelton has always kind of been that fringe country star person. Now, when he first started, he had a little bit more twang. And I remember one of the first songs mm-hmm. that I heard from him um, was Austin. And that was literally, it was a good story. It was literally about him and his girl had broken up, but he always yeah. left his voicemail um the message for her in case she ever called. So he would say, Hey, here's my day going on. But at the end he said, PS, if this is Austin, I still love you. And so that song, uh, I remember that song, but he has always been like one of those, he started getting more um, mainstream, more pop, more pop. And then uh, he, he became a judge on the voice. So I think that also Mm -hmm. exposed him to a broader audience as well. Yes. Um, But Country music yeah. slaps. It really does. I think yeah, a lot of people give country music a bad rap because they always say if you play it backwards, your song, you get your wife back, your car is fixed, and your dog is alive again, like stuff like that, because <laughs> <laughs> they always think country music. <laughs> what? <laughs> they you never heard that. They, they say if you play a country, they, if you play a country song backwards, your dog comes back, your wife comes back, and you know your truck works again, like stuff like that. So what if you well, don't want we your wife be to be playing come back? that backwards? <laughs> Wow. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I think um, we're ready to go to the off season. I think there was (laughs) J. Cole. (laughs) J. Cole dropped an album called The Off Season, which I love to. Yes, right before he went to play in Africa for a professional team for about two days. (laughs) Three. Yeah, that was about it. Yeah, I think he played. I think he played three games. Um, uh, pride is the I, devil I, is my favorite song on there. The love, love, love that song. Yes. Yes. Amari, yeah. Amari was dope. Yeah. Pride is the devil. I mean that, that just, yeah, that goes in. I've, I've always been a J Cole fan, um, from really from the beginning one, because, you know, he's a prodigy of Jay-Z of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but he also, he's just an intelligent rapper, you know? I just love the fact that he talks about issues that are uh, important. Yep. He tells great stories. A um, hundred mil, a so hundred mil was one of my favorite songs. That was a good song too. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, my life with 21 Savage, um, a lot of people sleep on 21 Savage. Yeah, n- n- he is terrible. He's not terrible. Yes, he is. He is terrible. <laughs> 21 Savage yeah. claim to fame is literally saying 21 Savage every song. <laughs> 21. <laughs> yep. That's 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 true. I, I, I just, I, I'm not gonna say that you're wrong. Okay. Um, but there's, cert, there's certain artists though that you're like solo, but when he connects on different features, it, it he steps his game up. That's just how I yeah. feel about it. I'm being a little facetious, but I do I do like Twenty One Savage a little bit. But hey, I need it reminds me of DJ Khaled's thing that he does in every song. Like we know who you are, just like spit the lyrics, bro. We the best music. Um, what I love about yeah. J. Cole, though, and uh, uh, about this particular album is that he, there was no, at least I don't, I feel this way, he didn't feel pressure to come out with something that was bigger or better than what he previously was like. He put out the music that he wanted to put out. And I think that we as fans and listeners always want, oh, this is not the same as the other album or this doesn't go hard. And he is like always working on his craft and 
came out with the music that he wanted to come out. And I actually thoroughly enjoyed the album. Uh, and so D'Artagnan, who is a regular listener of the, uh, the Daily Jam podcast, you are hearing me sing the praises of a fellow light-skinned individual. So there you go. Oh, I was about to call him a hater. But okay. <laughs> Shout out to D. That's right. Yeah. So that was a solid. Album. A lot of quotables on 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 that album. He had a lot of, you know, hot quotables. So uh, if you like rap music, um, check it out. And then the yeah, three fellas, the last one, which I will say I absolutely adored this album. I thought it was great. There's the song Trauma is my favorite on the album. Um, and that is by H E R, otherwise known as Her. Her. Um, hey, listen, I'm a fan just for the simple fact that she's a she's a true musician, and her performance. If you haven't seen it, if you didn't see it on the BET um, Music Awards, I thought you said he didn't watch it. You, you he did say that. He said that. that. I said sniff. Well, he said uh, that part too. Yeah, he did say that. But uh, yeah. Cause she came, she literally came out there like Prince, um, as far as playing the lead guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she, I mean, she plays like six instruments. Yeah, I, I, oh, wow. I, I think, yeah, yeah, those artists yeah. who tell stories and uh, tap into their emotions, and I don't think, and I don't know if I'm gonna say this the right way, so viewers or listeners, forgive me in advance. I think that. It, particularly female artists now are expressing emotions that are more deep than just the traditional relationship songs, if that makes sense. Like they are diving deep into stuff that can tug at anyone's heartstrings in terms uh-huh. of emotional um, intelligence is what I would probably describe it as. It isn't my boyfriend broke up me or he broke my heart. He did this. It is literally, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm feeling. And then yeah. sharing that with the world. Um, and the reason why I say it that way is because I, I liken it to when we talked about Adele when Adele came out with what, 21. And then we all uh-huh. made the joke and I say, we society kept making the joke. Go, well, she just got divorced. So we can't wait to that new album come out. Cause that album's going to be fire. Like, like, like she has to go through some traumatic experience to produce yeah. good music. Um, People and, say the same thing about Mary J. Black, right, the yeah. 411 album, you know, mm-hmm. is that I think, you know, the, the, the great thing about music is that, you know, we can all kind of relate to the stories. And so it's just finding a way to kind of tell that story. And that's why I think that, um, you know, I, I like all different kinds of music. That's why I can appreciate, you know, country music, uh, even though I didn't necessarily grow up with it, because it's still um, some great, you know, music. And her actually does that with, you know, her ability to kind of talk about relationships, um, things that, you know, touch the, the heart of, of really everybody, the pulse of, of, of young people and, and, and thinking about that. And so it was a really, really good album. Uh, I liked it. The song with, um, with Lil Baby. Oh, yeah. One of my favorites, too, as well. Yeah. Um, forgot what you it's know, called. Of, find a way. A find people, a way. Yeah, a lot of people are deeming him um, at the top of the list right now. That they're what? I've right said it again. Yeah, say, a lot yeah, of people are deeming little baby at the top of the list. Like, yeah, they're kind of putting him as one right. of the number. Yeah, he. I mean, he he is he's putting out some fire. Um, particularly like on on you know as as a guest artist on you know like yeah. of course on the uh, the the um the soundtrack to um, 
Space Jam. Uh, movie called Space Jam. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But did y'all see that clip though? Did y'all see that clip that's been floating around on social media? I did. <laughs> Where I did, Kurt yeah. Franklin so, is yeah, going hard, and he yep. just sitting there like. The caption was when your grandmama make you get up and sing in the church choir. He looked so uninterested in that particular aspect of it. It's it's a very, very, very funny clip. That's like a three second clip, and it's so horrible that, you know, people like catch that. I mean, it's. Like he was offbeat with the the claps and everything. Yeah, but it's it's still a good song. We actually played that song uh, last week as well. That song actually goes hard as well. So it's it's also nice for our listeners out there to listen to various types of music because the 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 crossover so you literally have a rapper Mm -hmm. and you have a gospel gospel artist artist coming together and Mm -hmm. then not just the crossover but also generational kirk franklin has been out for a long time uh in terms of the amount of years that he has in the music business right and then so and then you have little baby who's in his what 20s i believe yeah Yeah. um yeah and you remember uh when we kind of did the thing for imperial county one of the young people put in the chat that little baby is the goat. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and we played a video, uh, emotionally scarred yes. little baby. And he actually had a goat in it. I remember making a comment to that young man is like, just because you have a goat in your video, does that make you the goat? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, but little baby is doing his thing though. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, definitely doing saying that Kurt Franklin keeps reinventing himself. That's why he. Yeah. That's he surgeries. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, surgeries. Yep. Yep, just like Charlie Wilson, you know, is is that's what you have to do. Uncle Charlie. But yes, so that was a so you guys think that was a, a her I came out with a, a pretty good album? Yes. yes. I rec I give that five out of five stars. Uh I actually I give all three of those albums five out of five stars. So our listeners out there, um, even if you aren't a particular fan of either one of those genres, listen to it. Also, ask your young people about it uh, and see if yep. they listen to those artists, if they heard of them, and then listen to it together and uh, start some conversation. I cannot tell you how impactful music can be to discovering young people and what their interests and hobbies are. So, Absolutely. Yeah. That being said, you are listening to the Daily Jam Podcast. We'll be right back. Perception is often deception. Uh, I think somebody needs to tell the truth. Yeah, killing my ego through my self reflection. Uh, something that we all fail to do. Mm. Why does compassion get treated as weakness? Yeah, what is the world really coming to? Uh, why is my empathy often misleading? Yeah, how you interpret that is up so to you. So many things. I let it get to me. Like I know everything. When I don't know anything. I can play that whole album, but we got other stuff yeah. to get to. Oh man, hey, Love it. Awesome. that was emotion. That was yeah. Yes, and it, it's another podcast. <laughs> when we talk about music, I kind of get excited. Yeah. But welcome back. We are here, um, man. Some amazing things again happen. Uh, we just got through Father's Day, so happy Father's Day! Shout out to every father. Um, as we dive into the topic of Father's Day. Do y'all yes. still get uh, impacted or emotional about the song Dance With My Father by Luther Vandross, even though you may have never danced with your dad? Yes. Like, that is a dope father's song. Like, it just is it a is. really dope song. And I don't, I've never danced with my dad or my father or any of my foster yeah. parents. Like, I've never danced with them. But that song gets me every single time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it, it's, it's interesting because, you know, as as men or boys, 
you don't think of dancing with your your dad or your father and right. there's probably not a whole bunch of people who actually do that so uh, you know i wish that luther were still alive because i would love to to ask him kind of that question because that's not something that usually you know happens and i think that for me when that song became really important is when my daughter uh, began to love it and, and you know said that that's you know what she wants to to play on on her wedding day you know for our first dance or something or the father-daughter dance oh shout out to you and micaiah before we get into yeah. our individual parental duties and people that we have the responsibility and probably the curse of raising, uh, <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about the history of Father's Day. Uh, and as is most cases with a lot of things, shout out to you women out there because it is because of women that Father's Day actually exists. And in ladies yeah, and gentlemen, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm I, I, ladies and gentlemen, I, if I we record this podcast from three separate locations, and the face that I'm getting right now, <laughs> that what you said is true, but I hesitate to give credit because of how how some folks may may take that and how you, you know, said it. We already, they, they, yeah, we. But that's the second part of that's 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 the second part where I'm talking about the yes. history. We'll get to the the controversy yes. behind Mother's Day and Father's Day, but factually, it is because of two women in particular that Father's yes. Day is actually exist and recognized uh, in this country. That's right. Um, back in West Virginia, yes. What was it? Nineteen oh seven. It was. It was. It was. Oh, see, I have my notes in front of me. Six. So Father's Day, well, there was an incident in 1908. It was 1908 okay. that this incident happened. Yeah. Well, well, actually, no, I'm talking, I take the back. You're right. You're right. It's right. It, it was 1907. Seven. Okay. Yeah. And in West Virginia, you know, of course, that's a, a big mining uh, yep. state. Uh, there was a horrible accident uh, where uh, over 300, 327, I believe. And it's actually 361. Yeah, 367, yeah. 360 plus men died in a mining accident. Um, and the effects of that, of course, is that many of those men were fathers and had children. They were husbands, they had wives, and they left um, uh, a bunch of children fatherless. This was the, that number is the one that, that staggered me. Like those 367, which is still considered the worst mining accident in U.S. history, mm -hmm. they left a thousand children without a, a father or a dad. Man, that's a, lot. a thousand, that's, like yeah, 367 lot. men left. Well, 363 actually died at the accident, four survived, and then they later succumbed to their injuries. So that's what right. brings it up to 367 uh, right. in that town. Um, yeah. But a thousand children were left without, instantly were mm -hmm. without, uh, without a father. And there was this lady named Mrs. Uh, Grace Clayton. Now, her father was not one of the people that, uh, died in the mine accident. Her father had actually passed away years before, but she was deeply impacted. And she actually approached the church about holding some type of service um, for the, the families. Um, and they held their first service to commemorate or remember fathers um, in 1908. Mm -hmm. And as we were preparing for the show, um, I was doing some reading. I recognized that the reason why this particular aspect of Father's Day is kind of not mainstream is because they that service was held a day after Independence Day. So it kind of got swallowed up with Independence Day celebration, as well as there was a prominent daughter um, who had uh, died tragically. And so this kind of fell by the wayside um, in terms of it being 
recognized as Father's Day. It is mostly credited to a lady out in Spokane, Washington. And fun fact, ladies and gentlemen out there listening, that is actually where I was born. So kudos to me. Uh, <laughs> Which has nothing to do with nothing how at all. Day got here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there was a lady out in Spokane, Washington, named Sonora Dodd, who um, who can who advocated for the city um, and the state to recognize uh, Father's Day. But it still took a long time for it to actually be passed. Mm-hmm. She started that in like 1910. It wasn't actually a law or a national holiday until like 1972 uh, under Nixon. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of it kind of being a national holiday, the interesting thing is, is that I remember reading or, um, yeah, I read an article where Father's Day is ranked number 20. In the list of American holidays? And- Yes. Um, and Mother's Day is listed number two, <laughs> right behind Christmas. So Jesus, your mama, and then drop about 20 spots and you'll get to your dad. Everybody else. Yes. <laughs> Arbor Day. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that is, is above Wait, trees, Day. man. Wait, trees. is Flag <laughs> Day even above Father's Day? Yes, Flag Day. <laughs> You know what? And it's crazy because I can't even name another 14 exactly. holidays. Right. I don't know that anybody can except some nerd like Adrian. Adrian. So you got Arbor uh, Day, you got Earth see, Day, Flag see, Day, see, Labor Day, see. Independence Day, Columbus Day Memorial slash Day. Indig- Indigenous Peoples Day, Memorial mm-hmm. Day, Veterans Day. See, okay, you don't have to show off. Yeah, you know that you can name those. <laughs> right. Most of those are above Father's Day. So there's this controversy, as Prince would say, hmm. between Mother's Day and Father's Day. You know, I've seen so many memes uh, this year, especially about eat, eating out, you know, where on Mother's Day, all the restaurants are packed. But on Father's Day, <laughs> we're expected to barbecue and grill our, in for ourselves. In the backyard. In the backyard. In your own backyard. So we work on Father's Day. So we got to right. work on Father's Day. <laughs> And ladies get brunch, they get mimosas, they get lobsters. Y'all, y'all remember the meme where it's like out on a yacht with like the the surf and turf dinner and everything's uh-huh. like laid out, and then Father's Day is like a lunchable, Hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> and a pair of socks. That's all you get. Yeah, or a tie, or you know, a cool. Think, why, why was a tie the main gift for so long? I think it has to do go back go it goes back to like working, like yeah. yeah I, I literally think it, it's literally ties and socks. But yeah. most people don't wear ties to work, though. Most I do. Men. I love ties. I know. Yeah, you do. But so, but is that the is that is the what, real controversy or is the controversy around what not just the celebration part of the nah, difference let me between tell you what the that real controversy? Go ahead, Jamal. Let, let me just go ahead and get this out the way. <laughs> get this out the way. Um, the real controversy is for those, um, and we hear it a lot. Um, Happy Father's Day to those single mothers <laughs> that are also playing the father's role. Woosa. I mean, listen, Woo-sa. <laughs> but not there. Nothing, nothing against y'all. That no, that that is it. I mean, to me, it's a both end. It's not an either or. It's a both end. You know, one you we we spend way more time acknowledging you know money resources uh you know uh, women and their role which is important you know of course in, in children's lives but i think that fathers are equally important uh in 
um, you know, their, their children's lives as well, but we don't get nearly the amount of time or effort or money. And then I think to add insult to injury uh, is what Jamal said, is that when folks, um, females try to take that our day too. Listen, you know, you already had a day last month and now because the you know, your baby daddy is not involved in, in your child's life, you go try to take our day too. Damn it. It's going to stop. It's you cannot stop. have our day. Damn it. No, because I'm not, not having at, it. Not at one point. Do you hear during Mother's Day? Shout out to those single fathers. Exactly. Happy Mother's Day. You don't hear that shit. Nope. Not a one. Yeah. Not a one. Nobody's ever wished me a happy Mother's Day. Um, you know, being a single dad. Y'all sound though, y'all sound upset. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little I'm just bit. Saying. Yes. I'm I just mean, saying. We work hard to be dads. I mean, you know, and, and while I agree uh with, you know, well, actually, no, I don't agree. I, I think that there's a neg- <laughs> there's a narrative out there. There is bothers- a narrative out there, and it's actually a yes. false narrative. Uh, go ahead, Mike, because yes. there is some statistics no. that that back that back this the stuff up. I was just all I was doing was setting you up because I knew you was gonna bring it. <laughs> so go go ahead, go ahead. I was just I was just going to say for our listeners out there, and if you don't believe me, I'm a firm believer of Google. Black fathers are the most present, engaging, patriotic fathers across race and ethnicities, the board. Facts bear it out. Mm-hmm. They are more likely to serve. They are more likely to parent and nurture. They are more likely uh, to be engaged. They are more likely to be present. They are more engaging, contrary to what the narrative is, that black fathers are not involved in the lives of their children. That is absolutely right. a false narrative. The facts Bear it out. If you want to come on the show and argue with me about it, bring it. Are you going to argue with all of us? <laughs> I mean, we here. <laughs> What's That's up? right. That's where we at. Yes. What's up? So yeah, uh, it's not to be that. offensive to anyone out there because I, I know I'm actually I take the back. I really don't care. But it, that that is the thing that has been most upsetting. Now, again, I, I think the three of us on, on this podcast would agree that we are not perfect fathers or dads in any stretch of the imagination. But we do take issue with the narrative that has been out there for so long that yeah. um, dads, particularly black dads, are deadbeats, not involved, um, or X, Y, and Z. And that's actually could not be further uh, from the truth. Um, black fathers yep. are heavily involved in the lives Absolutely. of their children, uh, more so than their other uh, ethnic or racial counterparts. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's important, I think, you know, to kind of, you know, let folks know, you know, that, that the narrative is misleading, incredibly uh, misleading uh, around that. So, I mean, you know, we talk about dads, we talk about fathers. Um, What do you gentlemen feel the difference is between a father and a dad? I mean, I would say because I grew up without my father, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can can actually add a third uh, term, which would be sperm donor. But yeah, that's uh, true. I don't know. It, it takes a lot to get that title. Like I've given someone the title of dad and it's because one, to me, it's more nurturing. It says that you've invested, you know, <clears throat> time, emotion and, and whatever else you want to invest. But I, you know, that's something I don't take lightly. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm honored to be called dad by my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, father, I believe is just, it, to, to me, it's really, it's formal. 
Yeah, I was literally going to say it. It sounds it sounds extremely formal. And when you thought about at least the context that I did, because I had the the interesting thing about my case is I had a father and a dad who was alive. But one at the time, it was the narrative was that he didn't care and he was off serving in the military and that him and my mom had divorced and blah, blah, blah. But it turns out when you get access to records and you grow up and you see that he was actually very involved and he tried to be involved and he did everything possible to get all of his kids back. And so uh, I've always referred to him as dad, but I always referred to him as my father when I was a kid because he's out there. I know he exists. Um, and so I think father slash dad depends on your definition and how you grew up, kind of like what you said, Mike, um, and what in how you feel as a child or a young person if your needs are being met. And I think that kids know uh, know when people genuinely love them for them. Right. Um, and that yeah. it is not a chore and that there is time and investment. And so before I actually became a girl dad, I was actually an uncle dad first. And so my first trip into quote unquote fatherhood was the fact that uh, circumstances pr- uh, allowed me to become a caretaker of my niece and nephew and primarily mm-hmm. by myself. Uh, so I was a father figure or a dad figure, but my title was simply uncle, like no uncle Adrian, no uncle. It was literally uncle. And I appreciate that reverence because I've known my niece and nephew since they were born and I've been at the birth of all of them. So I'm very close to them. And so the fact that I got that sort of, sort of trial run before I became a girl dad, um, to my daughter, um, I think that prepared me a lot to be the sort of dad that I am because she does have a father out there. Um, uh-huh. And but I am her dad and I don't refer to her as my stepdaughter. She is my daughter. A lot of folks were saying, well, I got a stepson or stepdaughter. She's literally my kid. That's my daughter. Yeah. Um, I just happened to meet her later in life. That's it. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I have two, two uh, adult children um, and my daughter affectionately refers to me as daddy. Um, that's the term that she calls me. And um, uh, my son calls me Papa uh, or Pops, um, which I think is a cool term when you when you have an adult kid, especially knowing Jay is the way yeah. we do. Him calling you Pops yeah. is like a term of endearment and sort of friendly. Like I, I, pre- I you can tell if, ladies and gentlemen, if you know Jay, Mike's son, then you know Pops is. That's mm-hmm. what the cool kids call their dad. <laughs> well, it's, it's crazy because I, I don't know if you knew Mike, but that's what I call Warren. I call Pops. Warren. Oh, really? Pops. Yeah, oh, I didn't know. I Warren pops. In. Okay. For the listeners, uh, Warren was my very last foster home. Uh, he was a single single father or a single dad, mm-hmm. um, and I was with him literally the longest. A um, lot of moves early. Was with him pretty much my whole high school career, and uh, yeah, I called that. That's what his name for me was was pops. Yeah. One other thing too that I think is important for listeners to know is that um, I love it when they call me Big Pop. Okay. Good night. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> Throw your ass in the I, air. I swear he has ADHD. <laughs> I swear. I mean, you 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 can't help it. <laughs> Look, I thought we, you know, we try to mix music in with, you know, this content, and so I was just, you know, singing a song. Yeah, because that directly relates to Father's Day and the fact that Jamal just expressed how he felt about Warren and I love when they call me Big Papa. Okay. (laughs) Completely fits and correlates. (laughs) Let me ask this question. Who who do you gentlemen love when they call you Big Papa? (laughs) Okay, all right. I quit. I mean, I stop. Let's, let's, Let's go back. Let's go back to the moment that you became a parent 
how did you how did you feel Jamal when when before Jamal answered that question a. before he answered that question ladies and gentlemen do you hear all that dead silence and that dead air <laughs> that is Jamal and myself trying to gather ourselves because we recognize and we know that it's coming but it still hits us when it does and we have to refrain from responding the way that we would like to across the airwaves but ladies and gentlemen, once we kind of move to YouTube, you will see that they were still <laughs> laughing. They were quiet, but they were laughing. I can either confirm <sighs> or deny that. All right. Oh, so man. LJ is what, 17? LJ is 17. Wow. So 18 years ago, or almost 18 years ago, 17 years ago, he was born. Mm -hmm. How did you feel? Your um, first lost. And I say lost because while it, I was stepping into my greatest honor, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I didn't I didn't know what to do. Um, the only true example I had was my grandfather who worked and then was retired. Like we barely seen him. And then Warren, who worked hard, one as a social worker, as a foster parent, but a person who also had entrepreneurial um nuggets mm -hmm. so but none of that shit had to do anything with parenting so it's like I, I got the provider piece down right I know what I'm supposed to do as, as far as providing but as far as being dad yeah, yeah this, this shit is scary <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't feel that way uh, I felt like Jean Valjean from Les Mis um, and <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm looking at their faces. First of all, Les Mis is a great movie, great book by Victor Hugo. But anyway, it's about a guy who had a whole bunch of trouble in his life, i.e. me, similar thing. And he takes on the responsibility of a child that is not his. And he made a promise to the child's mother um, that he would always look after Cosette, um, which is his daughter. And he raised her. Uh, like his own like you could not tell anyone in that town that that was not uh, his daughter um, and so I felt a little bit like that and that's a little bit tongue-in-cheek but seriously I felt uh, like I was ready like finally because I knew what I had missed as a kid and I knew what I wanted and I knew how I was going to respond if given the opportunity to be a dad like I knew how I wanted to raise uh, a kid uh, in terms of letting, letting them freely express themselves, but making sure that there was respect and boundaries in place. Like I was ready for that task. And again, I still don't get it right every single day, but I was like ready, like, all right, I got this. Like I've been waiting on this particular aspect of it. Like I said, I got a little, a little trial run practices of what worked and what didn't work. But the, the problem with that, which is another whole episode in itself, is it extremely traumatic for me when my nieces and nephews had to go back home. Because I had spent a lot of years developing those relationships. They were very, very young. I had gotten that system down pack, and then they had to go home. And so it felt like my kids were taken away from me, even though I did not intend on raising them until they were 18. And I did not want to take my kids, my nieces and nephews away from uh, my sister. But it still was a huge loss because I had gotten so good at it, in, you know, in my sense. And I had gotten so used to taking care of kids uh, in that regard. And it was fun. Being a dad is absolutely fun. Uh, it, yeah. To me, it is. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. Adrian, so, did you change diapers? Yes. Uh, however, uh, what I did with diapers and my nephew uh, learned this the hard way is that I am OCD and I don't like to be dirty. And so I actually bought gloves and I would change diapers with gloves on and I would wipe until I felt comfortable he was clean. And so even I would go through a, an entire pack of wipes. You gave him a diaper, right? <laughs> I didn't give him diaper. Right. <laughs> exactly. 
but the, I mean, but I, I but and it, the coolest thing about doing that aspect of it is that you recognize just how impressionable you are on kids and babies because they had the same interest. My nephew wanted to wear a suit and tie because his uncle wore a suit and tie. My niece wanted to wear ties to school because her uncle wore a tie to work. Um, the way so that I talked you're with admitting that you ruined your niece and nephew <laughs> no the the way that i described it years ago which is very true and i appreciate this title today i'm a gentle dictator which means that you have the freedom to do all pretty much any and everything that you want to do there are just some certain boundaries and that's it yeah. uh and so i appreciate that role that i have let me ask you this question adrian because i think that there are probably some folks out there you know whether that is um you know they use the term stepdads or you know um uh uh you know, stepchildren, things like that. When did you know that you and that that you were Layla's dad? Like, at at what point did you know that you were Layla's dad? I have I've always known it. Like that was it was because it was a package deal. Uh, and I remember having a conversation with her when she was young that said, "I am not here to replace uh, your father. Um, you are just actually gaining a bonus dad." Now, you don't even have to call me dad. I laid those the questions out like that. You don't have to call me dad because I know that is sacred to certain people um, at the beginning. Um, I will say in hindsight, though, that was an error on my part because sometimes it is a little interesting because it was always Mr. Adrian in the beginning. It was Mr. Adrian, Mr. Adrian, Mr. Adrian, because I'm not her biological dad. And so when you're out in public and a child could say, hey, Mr. Adrian, it's not the same relationship or connotation. Or and also because my daughter um, is a teenager. And I still look like I'm a teenager. A lot of folks don't recognize that that is actually my kid. And I view her as my kid and I treat her as my kid. And I'm very overprotective about my kid. Uh, and so that dichotomy. But I've always said that you're not going to be a step anything. Like if you are my kid, no matter where we go. And I think it took her a while to recognize, oh, shit, he ain't playing. Like he really doesn't. He, he's not playing about this. Like that's he considers me his kid. And she I remember her ha having a conversation one time. She uh, had asked if there was ever another baby that was brought into the picture, how would I feel given that I now have a child of my biological child on my own? How would that how would uh, how would I treat her? And I told her, you're my first kid. You are the first child uh, so that your place doesn't change. So um, it's it's been a lot of difficult conversations. Um, but to me, it's been a a smooth transition. But there are a bunch of bumps in the road. But, uh, yeah, she's I've never thought of it as being a step and because the way that I phrased it, even though I was never anyone's step kid I was like I would not want to be someone's step like it, right. it, it's always the othering of it now I get that society has placed that but it always feels like there's something added on there like you didn't you came in the picture later so you're mm -hmm. over there and I didn't I did or, not want her feeling like that yeah or that you're not as important correct as yeah right. yeah you're not as valued you know, yeah. yeah and that's the I think that's the message that go when we whenever we put anything in front of parent whether that is step whether that is foster, adoptive, yep. you know, kinship, you know, anytime you put something in front of parent, you know, I think that it, it kind of changes it and people kind of feel different. It feels that mm -hmm. I'm not as important or valuable as, as some of those others. Yeah. And I didn't want her to feel yeah. othered. I make, and right. I make that note during training. Like when I'm training parents, um, I purposely let them know that you're not going to hear the those term, those labels mm -hmm. because you are who you are. Your parents are these kids. Um, yeah. they just might not be born to you. Mike? Yeah. What, yeah, what about what you, Mike? Your thoughts? Yeah. Man, I, you know, I think when, when my children were born, um, 
I think I I went through all of the range of of emotions emotions you know during that time I was uh, scared to death I was incredibly excited um, uh, I just had no idea what was going to happen I I never knew my my dad I never had a father figure in my life uh, so I was worried about you know knowing what to do you know because I never had a role model to kind of look after. Um, so I was really worried. And I remember when both, when, when Makaya and Jay were born three years apart, I remember, um, you know, after they got cleaned up and, you know, wrapped in swaddling clothes, I think they call them, uh, back in biblical days. (laughs) (laughs) And now I present to you this child. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my child, my children, I should have named them Jesus because I don't think that they wrapped anybody else in swaddling clothes. I think that was just my my children. But anyway, I remember sitting there literally all night. I think Makaya was born at like seven something p.m. and J two, uh, or late afternoon J. And I remember just sitting there for hours holding them, and uh, in my mind teaching them everything I know. I remember just kind of <laughs> already as soon as they were like, born. Yes, <laughs> just let me give it to you. Right now. I was like, look, let's start early. Yeah, before I forget this shit, I don't know. You know, I don't know what to do. Did know? y'all see that TikTok video? Sorry, did you see the TikTok video where the guy was uh, he was te- te- teaching about football and his son was just born? Yeah, yes. <laughs> and he yes. was using the yes. quote from Denzel Washington. Remember the Titans? Yes. <laughs> you gonna run a mile? <laughs> you, you will run a mile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you fumble that ball, I will break my let my foot off, off in, in your, your hind part. Hind part. <laughs> Yeah. And then you will run a mile. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I remember kind of Classic. sitting there and 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 doing that. Um, and I, that was just—I think that was just kind of like a part of my my nervousness. You know, I didn't—I didn't really know what to do or what I was going to kind of do. But but it's been, the, it's been the greatest thrill. Like you're responsible life. for another human being. Like yeah, yeah. literally resp- And they look to you, even if they don't want to, even if they don't always say that. Like they are always looking to you. For guidance, direction, conversation, assurance, like all of that stuff. I, yeah. I will say, as kids came, it got easier. Like, I was at ease because I was like, did all it? right, we've been here. From, did it, or you well, was like, did, well. Did it get easier or did you just say like, like, you know how most people. First, you know, the first one came out right, okay, so. Yeah, you know, that first one, you know, you, you, you try to do everything right. And then because every child after that, it's like because it was two years. It was two years between Donovan and, and Jamal. Um, I know one thing that did fall off was pictures. <laughs> Man, so many pictures of Jim uh, of LJ, and then actually going back through like their photo albums, it literally got decreasingly less. <laughs> I look at you every day. I know what you look like. Right, right. <laughs> I get it though. Yep. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, man. Uh, so, so what was? The, yeah, go ahead, Mike. I'm just gonna ask, what was the greatest challenge? What's your greatest challenge is being the dad. Mine is still in existence. Mine is being overprotective. Like, there's a very famous photo that I posted, uh, one of the rare photos, because, uh, and I'll say this too. Um, I don't post a lot about my kid on social media. And that it's not because I don't want to. It's because that is a special relationship that I have with my kid that I don't always want to share with the world. Like, I share enough of myself with the world. They know my ins and outs, my trauma, the work that I do. They know about most of my life, all that stuff. Like, there's a piece of the world that I want to keep to self. And one of those relationships is the relationship that I have with my kid. And there's this one of the rare photos that I have posted over, though, is when we were at a Walmart. And she's surrounded by a whole bunch of um, uh, Darth Vader uh, 
Darth Vader uh, 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 figures, like their life-sized uh, Darth Vader figures. And uh, the caption was, these are your bodyguards for the rest of your life. And that is how I always view my kid. When we walk, you walk on this side. Or I'm looking out for you. Or whenever you go, just know that there's always going to be somewhere. Like Even there's this funny joke <laughs> that we were having. Um, if she gets to go on this trip, I told her, hey, you can go on the trip. That's fine. I'll be there, too. I won't be anywhere. You know, I won't be in the same spot you are. But trust and believe that I will be somewhere nearby because that's how overprotective I am, recognizing, though, that she needs her freedom. So my greatest challenge is learning to let go and trust that she's going to be OK, but still recognizing that's my little girl. I don't care how big she gets, even if she outgrows me, even if she uh, goes off and does her own thing like she is always my little girl. So, yeah. Let go and let God. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I think the big, my biggest challenge or greatest challenge, I think, um, because I have three boys, um, kind of we did you know a, a season ago or was well, two seasons we did the toxic masculinity. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I see that. It it's it's making sure that one they know how know that they can express their emotions and not be judged um it, it's breaking yep. down some of those barriers those not those walls um of what a man is and what what they are supposed to be in public like because again that's something that i didn't see and that's something that's always perpetuated that men have to be yep you know emotionless em, you know emotionless so mm-hmm. it's like how do i give them that skill um, and make and make sure that they know that it, it's okay. Um, Do you I mean, show it, your it, you show your kids emotions, Jamal? Like I make it intentional that if I'm gonna cry, I'm gonna cry. If I'm a, I I intentionally show my emotions because I don't want it to only be fear, yelling, screaming, or like that's the only side of me that you see. Like you going I yeah. now here's the thing I have, but I remember the first time I did, I struggled with it because I didn't know how they were gonna see me. Right? It's like. You know, they, they, they see me as that provider, as that uh, the head of the household. I don't know how to be vulnerable to you. Mm. Right. I, don't, I just I don't because this is how I'm supposed to be. And um, when I did, it was like, yo, this is it's OK. It, it's OK to be able to, to express and show emotion and and cry if you want to. And, you know, my kid's been through a lot, especially you know, as we talk about teens and, you know, we talked about how to episode on suicide, like when my kids lost three classmates. Oh yeah. In two years. Yeah. Oh, man. Who yeah. am I to say that you can't cry about, you know, you can't cry. Yeah. That is, so, that is very, know, very true. That That's a, I mean, that's still a, a challenge because it's like, yo, it's cool. Uh-huh. It, don't nobody yeah. care. It's cool. It's yeah. all right. So, and I think seeing that they're, becoming comfortable or have been have been becoming comfortable being vulnerable in that sense as a male as a black male um, I think has been one of my biggest rewards uh, as a parent as a dad yeah I I you about to Mike's looking for something I remember I would remember that my I've seen my father very angry and my father has a, a huge temper and I do too I think the fellas would agree that I have a, a massive anger problem um, <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> um, but the I I remember my dad's very distinctive laugh, and I remember how upset he can be because he was in the, he was in the Air Force. He was very stern, very strict, very disciplined. And I can remember the only time that I've ever ever seen my dad cry, and I actually didn't even see it; I just heard it. And it was when we were living with him in Vegas for the very short time, and 
he couldn't afford to get my baby sister a present or something to that effect, he has said later. But I heard him from my, I was downstairs in my room, he was upstairs, and I can hear him sobbing a little bit. And that's the first time I'd ever heard him cry. And I hadn't heard him cry since. Um, and so I think that when I, like, I, I, the fact that I remember that as a kid, uh, I think also informs a lot of the decisions that we make when we finally become a parent ourselves and what we were, what was modeled for us or what wasn't modeled and how we are going to choose to respond to that aspect. And so if my kid and I are watching TV or movies and, and I get emotional about it, she'll look over at me and she'll see tears. And half the time, because we are kindred spirits, sometimes she's crying too. Uh, the most recent thing that we did a couple weeks ago, we went to see a movie called Cruella on Disney and it was cool. Cause it was just a father. And it was just a dad and I, my dad and my dad, my kid and I sitting there cracking up and laughing and getting emotional at this movie in this movie theater. And it was just us in our own little world, which is what we typically do. We watch star Wars together. We watch certain shows together. Like it's just us two. Um, and so the ability to be that vulnerable, as you said, Jamal is something that I do not take for granted. You know, it's, it's actually, I was looking for a book that I have. It's called, it's by uh, a lady named, uh, it's actually a, a journalist named Maureen, uh, Marlene Connor. And the book is called What is Cool? Um, and it's really about understanding black manhood in America. And so this whole um, concept of just being cool, um, it's interesting because when you read the book, she talks about it from the framework of you know uh, slavery and right after slavery and um, um, you know how black men had to respond. They could not show emotions, um, whether the, any kind of emotions, anger or anything else. And so that whole term kind of cool, and then how that changed kind of in the '60s during the jazz age, and you know, and, and changed a little bit more kind of you know, in the 80s and 90s in the hip hop age, uh, the, the, the early ages of, of hip hop, she kind of kind of takes and how that term and terminology uh, has kind of changed, but really kind of where it started from. Um, and, uh, and, and it's very interesting, uh, her thoughts and her theory around black, black manhood uh, and understanding that. And so that's a really good book uh, called What is Cool? Uh, I think that people should kind of read it. Um, but I, I, I agree. I, th I think that the thing that was my, um, I think my biggest challenge as a father probably had to do with kind of um, practicing what I preach. Mm. You know, I wanted to make sure that, you know, in, in, in raising the children that I was, you know, what I expected of them, I was able to kind of do myself um, and making sure that things that I couldn't do myself or wasn't, you know, did not adhere to that I didn't have that expectation for them. Um, yeah. And I think that was kind of the biggest challenge because that's like the opposite. You know, it's always, you know, do what I say, not what I do. Yep. Um, and that know, is huge and prevalent in our community. Yes, yes, it really is. And so really kind of being intentional to fight against that, um, I think probably was my my greatest challenge in, in, uh, in, raising, in raising my kids. What about your biggest reward? What was your greatest reward? To them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I laugh. I mean, it's funny to me because it's probably the most honest answer I can give. Because one, they're on the, I say, I got kids. Right? Mm -hmm. I never, I, I didn't grow up saying I want kids. I don't think any no. man, any male grows up saying that. <laughs> well, I don't know. You'd be surprised. Um, I think the majority don't. But 
now I just I don't see I don't see life without them. You know, even with all the travel we do and mm-hmm. the correspondence between FaceTimes and text messages, yeah, I, you know, this, it's just they are my biggest reward. So I, I think my biggest reward literally is the sarcastic retort that I get from my kid when she says, "I hate when you do that," and <laughs> and and it's usually after I tell her what she's about to do. Or I, I process and I tell her what her feelings and her body languages is, or her body language is, because I have been very intentional about knowing her and why she acts or responds the way that she does. And she can't stand that I know her as well as I do. And I think that so my greatest reward is I have been intentional about developing that relationship like, oh, she's about to have an attitude. And the funniest one story that I can give really quick is there was a uh, this was in uh, Dayton where she had uh uh, gone to some. She went across the street to the to the park at our school, and she wasn't supposed to. And there was some some pictures that were taken. It was no, nothing harmless. It was just her and her friends, yada yada yada. And there was a phone check, and the phone check was uh, by her mom, and her mom was checking the phone. And was like, um, you know, you did you go to the park? No, someone had my phone. Blah blah blah. Like she basically, the kid was lying, lied 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 lied. And I had come back from work, or I came back from travel, whatever it was, and we were having a long conversation. She's like, she's been telling me the last two days that. She, uh, this other girl had her phone, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, she said, well, tell your dad the story. So she told me the story. I looked at the phone and I literally said these words and I walked out of the room. Oh, I said, yeah, she went across the street to the park. She lying and walked out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like it was like, I could, I could, I could just tell by what you're telling me and looking at you and looking at this, like, oh yeah, you lying. And that right there is the thing where you recognize, yes, I have gotten this down to a science in the sense of, it's not about me being perfect and it's not about me having all the answers. It's just about me being intentional about the relationship and understanding who she is, why she is and discovering herself uh, and growing up to the young lady that she wants to be and also challenging her and pushing her because uh, teenagers is a tough group to raise. They, uh-huh. they think they know everything, but they don't know anything in that res- respect. They have these hobbies, and interests, they have their attitudes and their mood swings. And I have always told her, I do not get offended by your behavior. There is nothing that you display that is going to make me upset. Now, I may be disappointed or I may have a reaction here or there, but I don't get offended. And I think as parents, if you can remove the offensive behavior aspect out of it, that helps you become a better parent because if you are offended first, you're going to respond from the offense, which means you're going to react probably more harshly than you would is, this is what she does. This is, a, this is what he does. This is what they do. They are normal teenage behavior stuff. So now that we know that that part is at the top, now we can process as to why we're doing this, if we need to correct it or do whatever else, but I don't get offended by it. So our relationship is very, very different and constructed uh, that way. Mm-hmm. I think Man, I th- boys I think... are different too. So. What'd you say? Yeah. Boys are definitely different. They are. I, 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 I would I want some sons, whether they are natural or biological in terms of adopting or fostering. Like, I think I think just shipping raising kids is fun, period. Like, it's I'm just shipping a, two to you. <laughs> You're, ladies and gentlemen, we, ladies and gentlemen, we have said this many, many times before on the show and on the podcast. Jamal has a great group of kids. Like if you've had any time to spend with any of his heathens, like you would understand that his heathens are hilarious and they literally have their own individual personality and to spend any time with them in their house in their element is the funniest thing you will see because it's not scripted and that's what makes it so funny because it's what you see is what you get and that shit is so funny (laughs) right (laughs) right you know but i think we also have the gamut man i mean 
mental health in teens is real. Um, I mean, just the sheer emotions of dealing with what a lot of kids are dealing with across the nation. I just said this in front of a class the other day. Um, I can't imagine how kids feel waking up wondering if their kid, if their school is going to be shot up. Yeah. We are now raising an entire generation of kids who only know school shootings. And I remember there was a conversation that was had where people, young people were happy about the pandemic because that meant that school shootings weren't going to occur because they weren't in school. Like they were actually happy to be at home because wow. school shootings are so prevalent that being at home was better or in, in, in that sense, more safe, uh, more safe. Right, yeah. more safe because school shootings were so prevalent during their generation. I mean, with us, or at least in my generation, I th- Columbine, the one in Colorado, like that was the first mm-hmm. major one. And then there was one sporadic here and there, but they are so common now. Or they, mm-hmm. they are, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So kids are dealing with a lot. And I think being a parent of those kids that it might hit home where I remember taking the kids to school. They had just got a, a threat of a possible shooting and literally police all over the building you know, all outside, they were scared to go to school. So, you know, we think about back to that question, Mike, what, what's my biggest challenge is them feel like that they're safe, especially mm. now feeling that helping them to feel safe. That's right. real. That's real. All right. What would be your greatest piece of advice as a parent, as a dad, particularly to other dads? We should write a book. Let's do this. Let's write a book. That's a good idea. Yeah. It's actually and, not a and, bad idea. And put a whole bunch of comedy stuff in there like we always do. Uh, that uh, You're not expected to be perfect. I, at least that's my, I don't expect to show up perfect. Now, I keep saying that because mm-hmm. it's true. Just, and I'm not always present. Like we know that we have extensive schedules and uh, X, Y, and Z, but I think half the battle is just understanding uh understanding uh, your young person and recognizing that they're their own individual human and that they have their own thoughts, feelings, and processes and allowing them to, to have that. I think that's the best advice that I can give. Yeah. You know, I, I think I, I never actually gave my, my biggest reward. I think my biggest reward, I, I don't know that I, I ever thought that I would have children, um, but just the fact that my young people today are great assets to society and that they would rather be with me or hang around me more times uh oftentimes than than their own friends that they still love being around me they still love hanging uh with me um to me i think that's my my biggest reward you know i i I can't believe that they they like me that much (laughs) (laughs) i I can't I, i can't believe they like me that much they they still love spending time uh, with me and we have I have a great time with them you know they I, I tell people all the time they're two of my best friends I know people always say you can't be your child's friend you know and I, I think that's bullshit I call bullshit on that I think that you can be your child's friend yep. and I think sure that can. you should be your child's friend um, you know um, but my I think my greatest piece of advice is simply just to be slightly more mature than they are you're gonna that's that. it yeah that's it just be slightly more mature uh, but I think the other thing uh, is is to give them attention that, you know, kids need attention. They need your attention. They need the attention of their fathers um, and to give it to them. You know, that that the time that you spend with them 
is well worth it. Um, the reason that they love me and, and want to spend time with me today is because of the time that I spent and I gave them the most important pieces of my time. They, they were more important than my work. They were more important than my career. They were more important than what I was passionate about. Uh, they were more important than you know my friends and everything like that. So they got the most important uh, piece of my time and attention. Uh, and I think that it paid off uh, in, in, in gold you know, uh, both during their adolescent periods and also now as they're young adults, even to the point where their good friends um, still call me dad. Um, and um, two of my daughter's best friends, one just got married last weekend, another one's getting married this coming up weekend. Uh, and, you know, I was invited, you know, to the wedding and they, you know, acknowledged me at the wedding, you know, as, you know, a father figure or daddy number two, you know, that type of thing. And so, it's just been an amazing ride, man. Uncle Mike. Fatherhood, father, fatherhood <laughs> has been an amazing ride. It has indeed. So shout out to all seven of the clan mentioned today. Jamal got his four. I got my one. Mike got his two. Um, happy Father's Day to all of you out there. Surrogate dads, stepdads, uncle dads, girl dads, boy dads, whatever dads. Um uh, shout out to all of you and all the work and that you do. You are listening to the Daily Jam podcast, and to play us out, we're gonna listen to a little Luther. And dance with my mother and me, and then spin me around till I fell asleep. Then up the stairs he would carry me, and I knew for sure. I was loved If I could get Another chance Another walk Another dance with him I'd play a song that would never, ever end How I'd love, love, love To dance with my father again Great song by Luther. Love that song. One of my favorites. Love that song. Yeah. I think the thing that I, I, I love it so much is that it, it reminds you that, you know, time is really important. Yes. There Finite. will be a time where you won't have it. So take advantage of every single moment that you have with your children um, so that you don't have regrets in the end. All right. So when we come back, actually, I take that back. We're not going to come back. We're going to give you part two, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned for part two of this marathon episode of the Daily Jam.